So do you remember your first sip of coffee? Do you guys remember it? I don't know. But how, many, how many of you were kind of like me, you know, when you were like a little kid and it looked interesting? It would look like something that you were supposed to drink or maybe you wanted to be big like, you know, somebody that you, you know, admired or whatever. And you, you took that sip of the coffee and the bitterness. Ugh. Or maybe you filled it all up with, you just wanted to take those little creamers from the restaurant, you know, that you pull the little thing off and just fill it all up. And then you put just a little bit of coffee in there. You're like, ah, very nice. I mean, I always remember also the commercials. Do you guys remember that? There was always something. Best part of waking up in the morning was, was coffee. Ah, I mean, they made it seem like it was just... Just this, this imagine, you know, magical experience in the morning. But it's interesting that the um, it's interesting that our experiences of coffee generally revol- revolve around some kind of um, time with family. Maybe it was a family routine. Like I said, I kind of joke. My father pretty much just was drinking coffee all day long. I mean, you know, I think that you can have it where you can like make just these little curing things where you like pop the thing and it's like one cup. My dad was like, I'm getting a pot. Anybody else want a pot? <laughs> and that's the thing. And then I, even, you know, as I got older, I would look over and I would be like, it's like seven o'clock at night. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, brewing a cup of coffee. Or a pot of coffee. I was like, it's seven o'clock at night. Aren't we going to bed? He's like, ah, it has nothing to do with me anymore. I mean, so that, you know, my dad definitely made pots of coffee. Even as a pastor, he said that one of the first things that he would do when he got to church is what Ken does, which is he comes in and makes a pot of coffee. So a lot of times it is around that experience those kind of rituals that we have in life, those times that we have with our family or with people that we care about, that we remember our first experiences with coffee. But coffee is fascinating. I mean, listen, if you start doing a deep dive on this thing, there are YouTube channels, there are, um, there are movies, there are documentaries, there is all kinds of stuff on coffee. Because it is a fascinating thing. There are not just one kind of coffee plant. Do you guys know this? There are all kinds of different kinds. There are kinds of different kinds of coffee plants. They're grown at different altitudes, and depending on the altitude, you get a different kind of coffee, different kind of taste. And you know, it's actually a fruit that kind of looks like a cherry when it first comes off. And then you can actually eat it. But it's what's inside of that fruit, those little beans inside, the seeds, that are then dried in some way and the flesh on the outside is taken off. And then you have the coffee bean that is then shipped to different places and then roasted at different lengths of time to make dark roast, light roast. Do you guys know all this stuff? I mean, all you have to do is go to the supermarket aisle just to see all the different kinds of coffee that there is. 
Um, so I'm not the big coffee drinker in our family, but I was sent one time to get coffee from the grocery store. And I went there and I looked at the roast and I was like, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> and you know, it, when, when you go to the coffee store and you're trying, or going to the grocery store and you're trying to get that right thing, I wanted to get the right kind, but I had no clue. So I had to call, which one do I get? Light roast, da, 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 da. But I mean, there's so many different choices. It's crazy. And all you have to do is go to Starbucks and watch like three people order and you can just be absolutely blown away. Skinny, blonde roast in a venti cup with a, you know, a splash, a hint of Splenda or something like that. I mean, these are long orders. They used to ride them on the side of the cups and all that. There's all kinds of different ways to get your coffee. But it's been around for years, generations and generations and generations of folks have been brewing coffee. Ken was right. It has been blessed. In fact, early on, it, were the mon it was the monks that drank the coffee to stay up and study the scriptures and also to wake themselves up for morning prayers because they got up way before dawn. When we look at coffee... And, we, and today we're looking at the gospel according to coffee. We're not saying that coffee is God, although you know that there are those people out there. <laughs> There's probably a t-shirt about it as well. Coffee is life. Coffee is God. No, no, no. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that we're inviting you today to look at coffee as it can show us and give us hints to who God is. Much like the images and metaphors that have been used for centuries in our biblical scriptures, as well as in our own lives, this beverage can help engage us to think deeply, to think deeply about God and our relationship to God. I mean, there are some interesting things about this beverage that got me thinking. First, again, there's this beautiful diversity in what it is, where it's grown, how it's crafted. Sometimes it is produced in these enormous farms. I mean, they say that Starbucks gets all of theirs from Indonesia because, one, it's lower altitudes, so the crop grows faster. And since it sells more coffee than any, any place else, they need more beans faster, and so they have these enormous kind of, kind of farms. But then you'll hear about these tiny little farms that are up in the hills of maybe Colombia or in Kenya or wherever it might be that they grow the beans, and they taste different than the ones that are grown in different places. Same beverage, same name, but yet a little bit different. And also the fact that you can take those beans that are just a little bit different and you can brew them in different ways. Some of us, they may have that old Mr. Coffee. Push it, pours the water over, and you got your pot right there. Some of us out there, barely I do, remember this thing called a percolator? You remember that? Plug it in. Maybe it was that you've now moved on to the pour-over stage. Now, that's what John has done before with us. He's taken 
just a little bit of the beans, and he pours the hot water, making a single cup of coffee. And when you do that, you can have the same beans, and you can have two different cups of coffee depending on how you pour the water. It's amazing. Now, John told me today that the stuff that he made was done by a French press, okay? Again, a little bit different of a way of making the same thing. There's even instant coffee if you really have to have it. Now, I know that that's what they used to use a lot of times in, the, um, in World War II to help with the troops, that they would give them ground coffee, instant coffee that they could use to keep them awake in the midst of their fighting. And then there's the way that I kind of really engaged in it. Listen, I've, I've had a struggle. I've never been a big coffee drinker. And, 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 you know, and Melissa's sitting in the back there, and she knows that whenever I try hers, it's a little bit strong for me, a little bit bitter. So I like to have a little bit of something in mine, a lot of milk, a little bit of coffee. But I was on a mission trip. Some of you were actually there with me out in Monterey, California, at, um, at this church out there. And Pastor Daniel out there was when we, we stayed in the church and we went down in the fellowship hall and they had this really interesting thing down there. They had an espresso machine. Interesting. So I guess one of their members had had a coffee shop at one time in their life and they ended up closing the coffee shop. And instead of reselling or giving back or whatever the coffee maker, they gave it to the church. And so at the end of church, what they would do is the entire congregation or those that could would go into the fellowship hall and they would make coffee drinks for people. So the, the minister learned how to be a barista. And so he showed me how to take the grounds and then to, you take this little thing and you tap it down and you, you push it on the machine and then you do these pours, okay? And that gives you the espresso. While we were there, I found this great little coffee shop that made their own chai, like brewed it and then put it in the fridge for a couple of days, added the simple sugars. It was terrific. So I would walk down. I'd get my chai tea latte from there. I'd walk back and I'd pull my own espressos and pour it in there. And that to me tasted perfect because I got that the spiciness of the chai, the tea. And I got the velvety of the milk, and then I got this, this shot of espresso. So you can see all of these different ways that you can bring this beverage into yourself. And it's amazing how something that has one name has a beautiful diversity within it. Now, some people will say that really... Coffee is just a vehicle for what? Caffeine. I mean, that's what we generally get, you know, because they talk about the facts, again, from the very beginning of the monks that were, that were using this to stay awake. And, and we know that some people need to have that in the morning. As soon as they get up, they need their caffeine so that that can pick them up, get them going. And as I mentioned, what it is is that there's a chemical in there that binds to those receptors and tells your body, you're not sleepy, you're ready to go. And so, that maybe is it. We do know that caffeine within coffee has inspired many sermons. I know many seminary papers. I mean, listen, if you ever go to church camp, 
you see the counselors wandering into the camp canteen at the beginning of the week or the beginning of the day, and they're like, coffee, please. And then that runs a lot of Camp Wakanda Ho. That's what's going on this week. It also might work for you all. Maybe that's what you need in the morning to kind of get going. Maybe it is the caffeine. But I tell you, that sense of clarity that it might be able to provide is something that engages us to see life in a little bit of a different way. The last thing that makes coffee special, and I think is important for us to look at today, is the systems that I mentioned of how we get our coffee. Like I said, coffee is, did you know that it's the second most traded commodity in the world behind oil? I mean, that is, I mean, just let that kind of sink in. The amount of money that is traded around coffee is unbelievable. And so when that happens, it's important for us to understand where our coffee comes from. Because there is always a farmer behind that cup of coffee. And so one of the things that I do hope that you do when you go to the grocery store and as you look at a myriad of all those different kinds of coffees that you can get is to look and first and foremost for that little seal that says fair trade. Now that does something. Because that recognizes that there is a person behind that cup of coffee. And that means that they have negotiated with the farmers that they're able to get a living wage, that they're able to connect and to grow their coffee in a way that it gives them a sustainable living. Because I know this, you're going to find this hard to believe, but there are some companies out there who will put profits ahead of people. I know, it's hard to believe. So that's a way of being responsible with our coffee. Because coffee has done something very interesting, especially within the last few years, is that coffee can be grown by a family in such a way that it can support an entire family. And that's happening down in Colombia. Years ago, we all kind of recognize and we hear the, the country Colombia and we think about drug lords and we think about um, kind of wars and civil unrest down there and violence and that sort of thing. But a few years ago, they went through a pro the peace process and when they did, they cleared out a significant amount of the drug trade that was down there. And it allowed single families to enter back into their heritage land to begin to grow coffee again. And you can see there are certain folks that are out there like a single mother supporting four kids on her two-acre coffee plantation. She can grow these coffee plants there and harvest them enough and sell them to the coffee manufacturers and have enough money to support her family, to send her kids off to school, and to care for herself. If we're responsible in the ways that we purchase our coffee, you can see in the growth of coffee a resurrection and moments of grace in just the way that we support those that grow 
this incredible beverage. See, there's so much around coffee that gets me thinking about faith. Because there is something nurturing. I, you know, I, I mentioned on Facebook this morning that I think there's probably a significant enough number of folks that sit there at their computers and watch the service on Facebook, maybe holding a cup of coffee. How many of you have sat across from someone down at Purdy's, a good friend, a family member, or maybe even a mentor or mentoree that you have, holding a cup of coffee or tea and having a conversation about life? Or maybe having a conversation about a difficult thing that you're going through. It also got me to thinking about the ways, about the people who make our coffee. Do you know your barista? I know some of us will swing. I know Ken talks about this all the time. He swings through the, the speedway or the place and he can get his cup of coffee right there and he can handle it himself and he comes out and he drinks it. But have you ever stopped to talk to the folks at the Starbucks down here or Purdy's or the place in, that you might go through just to have a conversation that that person is crafting your coffee for you? Because that person, that person is created in the image of God. And how we interact with them how we show them respect, how we show them kindness, how we shine the light of God and how they shine it onto us is another way that we can see how God speaks through this beverage. Coffee is a place where we can see the beauty and the complexity of God. And that relationship with God, it can nurture us. It, with its warmth, with its comforting presence in our day-to-day, -day, it can pick us up, it can inspire us, and it can engage as we think deeply and act in powerful ways in our world. It can challenge us to realize that even the smallest decisions that we make have connections that move past our tiny cup that we're engaging. I hope, I hope that this sermon series and I hope that this today has gotten you to think just a little bit wider about coffee, but also about the ways that God comes to us. So that this next week, when you're walking down the coffee aisle or you stop in, maybe the drive-thru or wherever it might be, that you recognize that God is present in that cup of coffee and engages with us in daily ways to be deeper and richer people of faith each and every day. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Mm. That's good. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. 
White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.